Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of What You Think Doesn't Matter. I want to start out this week by apologizing to everybody for the way I sound. I am a little stuffy, just getting over a little bit of a cold. Um, so I'll try and do my best to make myself sound clear and tangible. I also want to put out um, some information about my last episode, Waco Siege. Uh, there toward the end of the episode, I put out some information that I found out to be incorrect. Uh, that being that uh, Ruby Ridge took place after the Waco siege, and that Waco siege may have been a contributing factor to that cause, and I found out that it's actually just the opposite. The, the incident that took place at Ruby Ridge actually occurred a few months before Waco did. So I just want to get that straight. I do apologize to everybody for that uh, piece of misinformation or incorrect information, and I just want to set the record straight. And let you know that uh, this week's episode is going to be about Ruby Ridge and all of the information that goes on pertaining to that, some of the conspiracy theories. And based on the information I've uncovered, uh, the conspiracy theory is pretty righteous. It's about a fear of the government, the government's overreach, and how the government will pretty much do whatever it has to do to cover up any mishandling of information or situations and try and put the blame of their mistakes solely on the people that they are after. So, without further ado, let's get started. In a society that doesn't care about what you think, but only what you can prove, here comes a show that puts doubt into everything you think you know about the criminal justice system and the Constitution. No, he's not a lawyer, and no, he's not a counselor. He is only armed with his plethora of knowledge, training, and experience in the criminal justice system. So grab your coffee, have a seat, and hang on tight. Here's the host of What You Think Doesn't Matter, Chris Thorne. Ruby Ridge. For those of you that don't know where Ruby Ridge is or what it is, it's a small plot of land in the northernmost part of the Panhandle of Idaho, about 40 miles south of the Canadian border. Uh, this is a location where Randy Weaver and his family decided to go ahead and establish themselves away from the everyday life of modern government and society in general. They had a, a deep distrust of the government, and they did. They were basically living off the grid by personal choice. They had no running water, no electricity, basically no communication without, with anybody outside of their small community. Randy Weaver is a former Army veteran, uh, did some time with the uh, Special Forces, or otherwise known as the Green Berets. And it was alleged that uh, Randy Weaver was a white supremacist, and had connections with the Aryan Nation. Uh, Randy Weaver has gone on record as to denying these allegations, although he did agree with some of their ideologies and their thought process. He was never actually a member of any white supremacist group, which in my opinion goes to show just because you think a particular way or you agree with another group or person's ideology does not automatically mean you're a member of their group or a member of their society. 
Randy Weaver was the type of person who just wanted to be left alone so that he could live his life with his family in the manner in which he saw fit and was in the best interests of his family. That was it. Nothing more. Nothing less. Well, it turns out at the end of this 11-day siege that all of his fears of government overreach and government intervention basically solidified his thoughts. The thought that the government was distrustful, that they were out to get you, and that they would do anything they could to prove their point and to basically telling the public that we don't give a shit what you think, what we know is the truth, and we're going to do what we have to do to prove that. All of the actions by the government solidified his opinion of them. Now, according to the FBI, the the standoff at Ruby Ridge was a result of a years-long investigation into Randy Weaver's activities involving the Aryan Nation and the possession and sale of illegal weapons. Imagine that. Well, it's alleged that Randy Weaver sold an illegal sawed-off shotgun to an undercover informant of the FBI. And it was also alleged that in lieu of being charged with weapons crimes, Randy Weaver was asked to become an informant for the FBI to infiltrate the Aryan Nations, uh, which Randy Weaver refused. So now all of a sudden, Randy is being criminally charged with possession and distribution of illegal firearms because he basically didn't want to be a snitch and he told the FBI to basically fuck off and that he didn't want anything to do with him. So in retaliation, the FBI decided that they were going to go ahead and arrest him for it. That's just my opinion. There was actually no evidence to prove this allegation because the undercover agent or the uh, CI, as they're called, confidential informant, was not wearing any type of recording devices when this alleged transaction took place. So it was word of mouth. And of course, by the time the alleged actions took place, the story had changed several times between the agent and the upper echelon of the FBI. Well, Randy Weaver was arrested and charged with uh, with the illegal weapons charges, and he was issued a court date. Okay, well... Through Randy Weaver's probation officer, he was told that his court date had been changed from February to March. So when Weaver did not show up for his initial court date in February, a bench warrant was issued for his arrest for failure to appear on the gun charges. And uh, he didn't show up for the March court hearing also. And that is when the standoff started all because of an FTA warrant. So when the arrest warrant was issued, the U.S. Marshals Service decided that they had to go ahead and put together a what's called a threat assessment to determine the best route or safest route available to apprehend Weaver with the least amount of resistance. Well, the so-called threat assessment, which is designed to basically plot out the location of where he's at um, look at the terrain, uh, the best avenues of approach to determine whether or not he's a high risk for resistance. And it was already determined that Randy Weaver was heavily armed and that they were observed through surveillance to always be armed wherever they went outside their cabin 
to include his wife and his kids. They were all trained in the use and proper handling of firearms, and he was never seen to be without a weapon. It was determined that Weaver would most likely resist violently if he were to be confronted directly. So now once the threat assessment was completed and submitted, um, FBI and ATF put together a special operations group or a SOG group to basically go up on the hill, conduct some surveillance covertly uh, to determine the best avenue of approach. Well, during that surveillance, Randy, their friend uh, Harris, and his 14-year-old son Sammy, along with their dog, were out walking on the trails when the dog started going apeshit, started barking, picked up on the scent that something was going on, and at which point a shot was fired by the agents killing the dog, and Sammy, out of fear for his life, returned fire, and at which point the agents returned fire at Sammy, shooting him in the back as he turned to run away. And then Harris, Weaver's friend, engaged the agents, firing in the direction of where the agents were, striking and killing an agent without knowing he did so. And that is where the standoff officially starts. Now, there are conflicting stories as to who fired first and why. But the bottom line is this. A 14-year-old boy, a dog, were killed, and Harris, Weaver's friend, was injured. And, of course, when you ask the FBI or the federal agents, they were gonna, they're going to say that they fired in self-defense. And, of course, Weaver's story is the opposite, saying that they were engaged and that they fired in return of self-defense. At that moment in time, neither side knowing what the outcome of that shooting entailed. Just the fact that Weaver's 14-year-old son was killed, along with the dog. So basically, it sounds like that there were shots fired, and nobody knew who or what they were shooting at. They were just shooting in the general direction of where they perceived the shots were coming from. It was estimated, based on witness accounts, that there had been something around 20 rounds fired in that little exchange. So right from the get-go, this whole plan at Ruby Ridge was going to be bad, right from the start. And right off, also right from the beginning, the FBI was already trying to uh, do damage control, so to speak. It's like, okay, we fucked up. How do we cover this? So we got to make it look like it was Weaver's fault for all the death and destruction that's going on. That's a typical government move. And it's no wonder Randy Weaver felt the way he did about the government. It's bullshit like this. And of course, when the uh, the U.S. Marshals, you know, called back to headquarters requesting assistance, they made it sound like they were under attack by white supremacists and they had shot and killed a deputy marshal without any warnings whatsoever and that they needed to send in as many people and reinforcements as they had available. So the marshal service fucked up. They knew it, but now they're trying to cover their ass by claiming that they were the ones under an attack, which according to the Weavers, it was the other way around. So again, this whole situation is doing nothing but further enhancing Weaver's distrust in the government in the way they handle things. And based on that information alone, who can blame them? I mean, the government is notorious for lying their asses off to cover themselves to make it look like they were the ones in the right when they were the ones who screwed it up. So with one call from the U.S. Marshal Services looking for help because they were, quote-unquote, under attack from a white supremacist group, 
when in all actuality there were only like six people up there to begin with. They brought in FBI uh, hostage negotiation team. They brought in their sharpshooters, uh, snipers, you know, the works. And they set up camp at the base of Ruby Ridge, blocked access off to everybody that didn't have a reason to be there. They made a big deal out of it, all because of a failure to appear warrant. Go figure. But because of this small engagement, the the government was now believing that Randy Weaver was an anti-government, survivalist, racist, neo-Nazi sort of person who had some type of connection with the Aryan nations involved in a shootout with the U.S. Marshals. So it's it's ridiculous. The government is basically blowing this way out of proportion, which is what the government does. So now the the government's got their sharpshooters all set up. They've got snipers. They've got the cabin under under surveillance. And apparently somebody in the higher-ups decided to go ahead and change their rules of engagement with the snipers and gave the order that it was a, quote, shoot-on-site situation, end quote, which basically is them saying, if you see somebody with a gun, go ahead and shoot back, okay, or initiate contact by shooting them first. Well, what kind of bullshit is that? When does it get to a point where an officer can go ahead and exercise the discretion to shoot whenever the fuck they feel like it? It's just wrong. Okay. Now, back when my law enforcement days, we were told that you don't shoot unless there was a visible threat. In other words, that person may have a gun, but if that gun's not being raised toward you or being pointed toward you, yeah, you can point your weapon at them, but you don't squeeze that trigger until you can reasonably say that that person was about to shoot at you. Why did they change that situation to a shoot-on-sight situation? That That's just total horseshit. In other words, the my opinion of that is the government wanted to end this quickly, and if that meant shooting them, they can cover it up later by saying that they responded in self-defense. That's what it's starting to look like. But you know what? Randy Weaver was a little bit smarter than that, and they knew it. So they had to do something to make it look like it was all his fault. All right, we're going to take a little break, but when we come back, we're going to get into the part, which I believe is the most controversial part of this whole situation, and that's the one involving Vicki Weaver, Randy's wife, and how uh, she was shot and killed during this standoff. Talk a little bit about those details, uh, what happened, what led up to it, what the FBI is saying was their reason for shooting, uh, so on and so forth. So uh, sit tight. We'll be right back. Hello, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. Just want to remind everybody that you can follow us on social media at Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow my webpage at www.podpage.com forward slash WYTDM. And if you'd like to send a message to me, whether it be a suggestion, comment, idea, you can do so at WYTDM at yahoo.com. I do try to respond to all emails as quickly as possible. But if you don't hear back right away, please uh, keep checking your inbox. I will get to you as quickly as I can. If you come up with an idea or suggestion that I like, you may hear it on a future episode of What You Think Doesn't Matter. So please keep the comments coming. All righty, on with the show. All righty, welcome back. Uh, We're at the part of the story now where... This seems to be where some of the controversy lies. 
as Randy was walking back up the trail with his dead son in his arms, he got up near his uh, shack and another shot rings out and uh, he takes cover behind the shack to get some type of barricade between him and the shooter. Uh, His daughter, Sarah, was out on the patio of their cabin or the front porch of their cabin, hears it, and runs back behind the shed where she notices that uh, Randy had been shot. At that point in time, she tells uh, her dad uh, that they need to get back to the house where it's safe, and Vicky is standing at the front door holding the door open with their infant child in her hands, encouraging them to come inside where it was safe. So as they're heading back up to the cabin from behind the shed, uh, Sarah gets in, and then another shot rings out. It goes through the door, striking Vicky in the face, uh, killing her. Now, a lot of people would say, what was the reason behind just straight-up open firing on them when there was no visible threat? Well, according to the FBI reports... Uh, The sniper observed the weavers standing outside, getting ready to point their weapons up at a helicopter doing surveillance, and thereby assuming that they were going to be a threat, decided to shoot to protect the helicopter. Well, that's the FBI story. They're sticking to it. But there has been no corroborating evidence whatsoever to prove that theory. So the unjustifiable shooting of Vicki Weaver basically substantiated Randy's idea that the government was not to be trusted. He had not, Randy had not done anything to deserve being shot at unconstitutionally. He just wanted to be left alone. He was given, you know, he was willing to talk. He was willing to have somebody come up there, sit with him and discuss alternatives of surrender. But that didn't happen. So far, all all Randy had received was threats from the government and now a dead son and a dead wife. So um, he finally said, fuck it. You know what? I'm done with it. I'm not coming out. Y'all want me. You're going to have to come get me. So over a period of 11 days, uh, negotiations were attempted but failed. Uh, the whole time, Vicky is inside the cabin under the table uh, where she had been deceased with no attempt whatsoever to get her out of there in front of the kids. And it took an outsider, a former lieutenant colonel in the U.S. Army Special Forces, to essentially negotiate with Randy Weaver to give himself up uh, without further incident. Because the government had basically pretty much ruined their chances of securing themselves a peaceful resolution to this because Randy didn't trust them for nothing. Didn't trust them for a damn thing. And I don't blame him. So it took a third party to come in, talk with Randy and basically get Randy to agree to surrender. So after a couple of days of Randy speaking with this third person, he comes out uh, with the baby in his arm and his daughter's behind him. And he surrenders himself to authorities. Now, the most intriguing part for me in this whole clusterfuck was the aftermath. So after all was said and done, 
And despite being charged with murder, conspiracy, and other crimes, Randy was only convicted of failing to appear for trial for his original weapons charge. That was it. Uh, Harris was cleared of all charges. That was his friend that was up there who got shot. But there were so many things wrong on the government side. I mean, the simple fact that the rule changed that allowed snipers to shoot any armed adult on site without warning, that was considered unconstitutional. Uh, the sniper who shot Vicky uh, was considered unjustified. And then the sniper also placed Vicky and her children at risk by targeting the cabin door without knowing who was behind it. But you know what sucks about that? That sniper was never criminally charged for murder, manslaughter, nothing. Because the federal judges deemed that because he was acting in official capacity, he was immune from personal prosecution. I mean, and that's horseshit. If it was anybody else or any other law enforcement agent that was involved in that situation, they would have been friggin' tried and hanged at the gallows for their actions. But not the government. The government's exempt from their own rules. Everybody knows that. In fact, the only FBI agent that was ever charged with a crime was an agent who admitted to participating in a cover-up. And he only got 18 months in prison and a $4,000 fine after admitting to destroying a report that condemned the FBI's response. Big fucking whoop. A kid and a mother are dead and nobody's being held accountable for their murders. Yes, they were murdered. They were not killed in an act of self-defense. They were just straight up murdered by the government, who at that point in time, as far as I'm concerned, were just guns for hire. But as far as the sniper goes, here's basically what happened with that. He was actually charged with manslaughter for killing Vicky, but a judge dismissed the case claiming federal agents cannot be charged for actions taken in the line of duty. Uh, in 2001, the ruling was overturned, but no further criminal charges were ever filed. The government paid Randy Weaver and his three daughters $3.1 million for wrongful death. Good for them. And Harris... Weaver's friend who was shot and injured by the government was awarded $380,000 in return for dropping a $10 million settlement he filed against the government. So basically, he got paid $380,000 to drop the lawsuit, which probably barely paid for his attorney fees if he was lucky. So here's my take on this entire situation, and this is just my personal opinion. It all basically started because... Randy did not agree with the government. Uh, he was anti-government. He had, um, yeah, he had some viewpoints that aligned with the Aryan nation's viewpoints, but that didn't make him a racist or a neo-Nazi. He was just anti-government. And then when a CI approached him and asked him to be a snitch for the government, Randy said no. And then next thing you know, he's being criminally charged with selling an illegal sawed-off shotgun, which, by the way, could never be substantiated because there was no evidence to support that charge. And because he basically told the government to fuck off, leave him alone, this standoff ensued, and now Randy's wife and 14-year-old son are dead because the government was not going to be told what they can and can't do. Basically, the government showed up. They said, this is what we want, and you're going to give it to us one way or the other. And when somebody stood up against them, they had a shit fit. And now they have all this crap going on, 
and then they tried their best to cover it up, which failed on them. And basically, just like Waco, Ruby Ridge ended up being a black eye to federal law enforcement agents, and they don't like it, period. And people want to know why people distrust the government so much. Two prime examples right there, Ruby Ridge and Waco. Just those two examples alone is enough for people to distrust the government. And jumping now into modern ages with the crap that's going on with the government now, with them lying to our faces about anything and everything going on, with them censoring what we can and can't say, with the media getting on board and telling us what to think, it's all controlled by the government. No wonder the government can't be trusted anymore. You know, I'm a firm believer. I love my country. I took an oath to defend it, but I don't trust my government period. Now, there's a lot more information about the Ruby Ridge standoff than what I covered here on this episode, but I found an interesting three-part article on uh, pbs.org, The American Experience, that talks about Ruby Ridge and the details and some of the stories that I didn't know about uh, that I found very interesting, and I encourage anybody who's interested in this subject to kind of check it out. I'll have a a link for it in the web address in the show notes. So uh, check it out if you want to find out more information. But a majority of the resources for this story came directly from Sarah Weaver, uh, Randy and Vicky's oldest daughter, who was there when it all happened, and by an independent reporter who was on scene uh, pretty much during the entire situation. They give a little bit of back history into the Weavers themselves, uh, why they are where they are, uh, what led them to Idaho to begin with, and it's it's an interesting read, so uh, please check it out. Like I said, you can find the link in the show notes, but uh, it was written by uh, PBS, so I have to give, have to give pretty good uh, reliability to the information there. All righty, with all that being said, we are about out of time. Join me next week as we cover another topic of discussion where I give you my opinion, views, and just overall nonsense about what's going on in the world today. More specifically, that involving the criminal justice system and the Constitution. And as a reminder, please keep sending me your suggestions, comments, and ideas to wytdm at yahoo.com. Or you can follow us on social media. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can also follow my webpage at www.podpage.com forward slash WYTDM. So until next time, be good, be safe, and always remember, what you think doesn't matter. <laughs>